Maybe it's a classic or maybe a flop. Has Katie seen it? She probably has not. She'll sit down and watch it if it's good or it's bad. Hey, have you seen this? No, Katie hasn't seen that. Hi, I'm Katie, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said to me, wait, you haven't seen this movie? Oh my god, you need to see this movie. I'd be very rich. So this is my podcast, where I finally watch those movies you all have told me I need to see, and I tell you what I think. Spoiler time is upon us. So if you have not seen The Princess Bride, and you're wanting to watch it, then don't listen to my podcast, because I will be spoiling The Princess Bride. Also, you all make me watch movies from the 80s a lot. And guess what? This movie's from 1987. I thought for sure I had seen The Princess Bride, but here's here's the thing. I was watching Saw the other day. Don't. Okay, I kind of like the Saw movies. Some of you really don't. I kind of like them. And Carrie Elwes, Els? I don't know how to say this guy's name. The lead in The Princess Bride, who plays Wesley from what Google's telling me, is also in the Saw movie. So I was thinking about it like, I don't think I've ever seen The Princess Bride. And I've been sitting on it and thinking about it like in my childhood, in my teen years, have I ever seen this? And turns out I haven't. And I mentioned it to all of you in my Twitch chat. And uh, there was what might some might call a small riot. So I, I felt like I had to do The Princess Bride for this next episode of Katie Hasn't Seen That. This movie is a romance adventure from 1987, as I mentioned prior, and it's very popular. I know a little bit about it. There's a a giant man in it. Uh, There is also someone who does the fencing and says, you killed my father, Victor Montoya. I don't know. That's all I know. I think I've seen those clips from like, I love the 80s or something like that. I know a lot of women had a crush on this Wesley character. I didn't realize this, though. It's directed by Rob Reiner. Okay, didn't know that. So I I know Rob Reiner from being on, like, New Girl. But I also know Rob Reiner has directed a lot of big movies, some of which I have seen, which is This is Spinal Tap. And I read the rest of the list, and I've only seen This is Spinal Tap. But he has also done Stand By Me, When Harry Met Sally, A Few Good Men, The American President. I have seen The American President. I loved that movie. The American President has Michael Douglas in it and Annette Bening and Martin Sheen and apparently Michael J. Fox. And I loved that movie. So I've seen two Rob Reiner movies. Did not know Rob Reiner did The Princess Bride. Didn't realize as well that Robin Wright Penn is also in this as the princess, I think. So... I don't really know what to expect from this movie, except that it is so beloved and that if I hate it, I feel like people will be upset with me. People are genuinely pretty shocked when I say, oh, I haven't seen this movie, no matter what it is. But when it came to me saying, I'm pretty sure I've never seen The Princess Bride, people were borderline upset with me. And like, you need to stop what you're doing and you need to watch The Princess Bride right now. So here we are. I'm going to be watching The Princess Bride. What do I think this is about? Um... A boy, farm boy, going to meet a... Why would he be meeting a princess? There's going to be a princess of some kind, probably in some trouble. And then this this Wesley character is going to come save the day somehow. But I don't know how the other characters fit into it, like the fencing dude and uh, the giant guy. 
And then there's also that that guy who does the voices in a lot of the Toy Story movies and Pixar movies. He's got a great voice. Um, I think the actor's name is Wallace Shawn. And I know he's in this, but in what capacity? I don't know. Is it going to be like a live action Shrek? I feel like it might be like a live action Shrek. Okay, I'm going to go watch The Princess Bride. This movie has some ratings, though. It has an 8 out of 10 on Internet Movie Database. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you know how hard it is to get a 97% on Rotten Tomatoes? It's very hard, okay? A 77% on Metacritic and 85% of Google users like this movie. So I'm gonna go watch The Princess Bride and then no one can yell at me about not having seen The Princess Bride. I'm gonna order some Indian food. I'm gonna cuddle up on the couch and then I'm gonna let you all know what I think. I am back and I watched A Princess Bride. Y'all made me do it and I did. So we're going to jump into this because first things first, grandpa in this is Columbo. I grew up watching Columbo. Uh, So this movie starts out, there's this kid who's sick and grandpa comes over to read this fanciful story to his grandson who's played by the kid from The Wonder Years. And I don't know if this is dating myself, but Wonder Years and Columbo were very popular in the 90s. So I enjoyed that little nostalgic kickback. But essentially, this movie is this kid's sick at home. Grandpa comes over to read this story, A Princess Bride, that he used to read to his son when he was sick. And it starts off in this this world where that is typical fantasy princess story world like just luscious green grass there's a farm boy named wesley there's this girl who used to tease the farm boy uh who's played by i can't say this guy's name carrie ills carrie ls carrie (sighs) fine i googled it i watched a youtube video carrie can't even say it carrie elwes i'm probably not going to say that very much because i'm going to butcher it again but he plays wesley the like handsome farm boy that this this girl falls in love with. The girl's name is Buttercup. At first, it seems kind of silly, but as the story goes, it fits pretty well. And the farm boy Wesley does this thing where he says, as you wish, which essentially means I love you. So then essentially what happens is Wesley's on a boat. Wesley's boat gets captured by the dread pirate Roberts and essentially is deemed dead. So Buttercup is obviously heartbroken. Her one true love is gone. And, you know, then Buttercup is meant to marry Prince Humperdinck, who I believe Prince Humperdinck had the ability to choose anybody in the lands to marry. And he chose Buttercup. Obviously, Buttercup's not into it. At the beginning of this movie, you're like, oh, Humperdinck's not all that bad. He seems very capable. But then as the movie goes on, you're like, oh, Prince Humperdinck is kind of a Prince Humperdinck. I just came up with that and I'm proud of it. Turns out later on, Buttercup is kidnapped by these three, best way to describe it, buffoons. Uh, (laughs) uh, There is Vinzini, Fezzik, and Ingo Montoya. I don't really know what Vinzini is, but he's kind of annoying and he yells inconceivable over and over again. And Andre the Giant is a giant and seems to do the bidding of Vinzini and then Ingo Matoya is looking for the six-fingered man who killed his father. And I won't lie, Montoya was my favorite character. I don't know what it was about him. I was just like, I like this guy. I know he's kind of viewed as being maybe evil in the beginning, but he's definitely not. And I, I just wanted him 
to find that six-fingered man so he could get justice and move on with his life. So this group of ragamuffins kidnap Buttercup. Turns out later that Prince Humperdinck hired them to kidnap her and kill her, which I, I, Prince Humperdinck, as the movie goes on, you're like, oh, he's really evil. He's not a good person. Turns out our boy Wesley was not actually dead. And he's like on a rescue mission to get Buttercup back from these three villainous seeming people. The point where Buttercup is kidnapped on horseback in the forest. It was a little goofy how Buttercup literally just fell asleep when the giant kind of grabbed her around the neck. It looked a little goofy, but I'm like, you know what? They were working with what they were working with. And apparently a giant's hand will be enough to crush your neck into submission. There's a whole bunch of stuff that just goes on. They're on a boat. Then Buttercup tries to escape. Buttercup jumps into the water. There are like evil, creepy eels in this water. I loved the practical effects in this movie. There was like a giant rodent later on, but also just the the makeup was great. The eels in this water were super creepy and I thought very effective. And it was at this moment I went, I have not seen this movie because I would have remembered the eels. Anything in open water with teeth, all the sharks have scarred me. I would have remembered that if I had seen this movie before. So I think I realized why I was kind of familiar with the Princess Bride. There was this show on VH1 called I Love the 80s. They talked about all the popular things from the 80s and they definitely talked about the Princess Bride, showed off some like highlights from the movie, had comedians talk about it. So that is why I was like, I think I've seen this. But no, I just saw the episode of I Love the 80s that talked about the Princess Bride. So after the boat scene, there's this scene where they're climbing up a giant rock wall. They grab onto Fezzik and just literally he pulls them all up the rock wall. And we don't know who he is because he's masked at the moment. But Wesley is following quickly behind. That scene took so long. And it was really funny because like clearly they had some panned out shots. And it was clear that there were like dummies attached to someone's body as they were pulling themselves up. And I enjoyed that, even though I was like, it's a little goofy and I noticed it. But just the fact that it took them like a good five minutes to climb up that wall and the scene just kept on going. I just felt the need to point that out. I feel like that needs to be pointed out. While I loved Fezzik, I felt like Andre the Giant, who played Fezzik and is fabulous, was really hard to understand. I know he is French or he was French. I know he's passed away. So already winning because, you know, he spoke two languages at least. And I just had a hard time understanding Andre the Giant. And I know some of you are going to be like, why didn't you just watch it with subtitles, Katie? I have such a staunch stance on not watching things with subtitles. I'm so grateful that subtitles exist. But if it's not a foreign film or a movie where I don't understand the language or TV show, I refuse to watch with subtitles because movies to me are very visual. Someone worked hard. On the set design, costumes, like the atmosphere, I want to see that. And if I'm reading something on the bottom just because I cannot understand an actor on the show, this is why I didn't watch The Witcher. So The Witcher's this hugely popular show on Netflix. I put episode one on and mumble actor Supremes are just like not enunciating. I had the volume turned all the way up and I'm like, no, this show is supposed to be visually beautiful and I can't understand what the actors are saying. So then I just didn't watch the show. And some people were like, I get that. I I had to watch it with subtitles. And I'm like, no, because then I'm reading and I'm missing out on all the visual stuff. So I I always I guess one of my pet peeves is if someone's going to mumble act 
I'm not going to turn subtitles on. I guess I just won't hear everything you say, or I just won't watch your show or movie. With that said, Andre the Giant was a little hard to understand at times, but wasn't enough to upset me. I just was like, I, I, I wonder if I'm the only person who felt that way. Though I love the part where they get to the top of this rock face and Buttercup and Fezzik and Vinzini leave and Ingo Montoya has to stay back and kill Wesley, essentially. So this is where we learn a lot about Ingo Montoya and his purpose. And I just, I don't know, I just liked his character. The actor who played him did a great job. That was the moment where I'm like, yeah, he's my favorite. I hope he finds that six-fingered man. And I actually really liked Wesley in this. I just thought their dialogue bouncing off of each other was great. The movie felt very much like it was on a set and that it was very leave a lot to the imagination or fake. Fake might be, I don't know if that's the right word, but a lot of it just felt fake. But the fact that the grandfather was reading from a book, I was able to justify that in my head instead of being like, oh, it looks like they're on a set. I could excuse that away because I'm like, oh, well, he's reading from a book. It's supposed to be fanciful. It's supposed to be fantasy. So the moments where I was like that fight scene where they're doing their their fencing and then jumping on things and landing and you can see the board that they land on that's soft so that they don't hurt themselves underneath where they're landing. I'm like, you know what? It's fine. It's it's fine. The one thing I need to bring up, because as we're watching this, there was a line that Wesley says that really stood out because Wesley's wearing a mask in this first part of the movie. And I believe he's fighting Fezzik and Fezzik's like, why are you wearing a mask? And Wesley goes, it's just that masks are terribly comfortable. I think everyone will be wearing them in the future. Smash cut to 2020, the beginning of 2021. Oh my God. Did this movie predict the future? I just feel like it's so visceral when anybody mentions masks. Also, now when I watch movies and stuff or TV shows and there's like groups of people like I've been watching through Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I was not allowed to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer growing up. So now I'm like, I'm going to watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know there's a lot of problematic stuff with Joss Whedon. I'm trying to separate the content from the creator. But there was a scene in that show where they were on a college campus and there were people everywhere And I was just like, I'm getting anxiety because I'm like, you can't be in that size of a group right now. I don't know if I'm the only one that feels that way when you're watching anything. But even in this movie, there was just scenes of groups of people in Prince Humperdinck Square or wherever Prince Humperdinck lived. And I just was sitting there going like, people can't people can't do that right now. And uh, yeah, if if that if that happens to you, uh, can I get a shout out? Uh, Just, you know, tag me on Twitter and go. Yes, Katie, I know exactly what you're talking about when I see groups of people in movies. You are not alone. I just had to mention the mask comment because it was just, you know, a little too on the nose. After Wesley fights Fezzik and overcomes the giants, he goes to Vinzini, who's with Buttercup, and somehow has like a full-on picnic out. I want to ask this, though. How did Buttercup not know Wesley's lower half of his face or his voice? Like, I just it's like that whole Batman complex where it's like people don't recognize that it's Bruce Wayne. But I'm like, that's clearly Wesley. And she was like madly in love with him. And it's only been five years since he died. I don't know. Allegedly died. I just feel like she should have been, you know, able to recognize his voice and lower face. Also, I don't know. His lips were very chapped. I don't know if he just didn't have enough chapstick or being a farm boy. It was like a choice to have his lips look really chapped. She should have been able to recognize his chapped lips. I'm just saying. He also had the world's tiniest ponytail. And I don't know why I feel the need to point that out. 
But if you ever watch this movie, just check out The World's Tiniest Ponytail. That's all I'll say about that. So throughout all of this, Buttercup figures out, oh, it's Wesley. And, you know, Wesley was also like trying to rescue Buttercup, but he was being like super petty about how she was going to marry Prince Humperdinck. She thought that Wesley was dead and she had no choice in the fact that Prince Humperdinck picked her to be his wife. And so he's all like, I'm here to rescue you, but I'm going to be super passive aggressive and leave my mask on and like berate you until she like pushes him down a hill. And then he yells, as you wish. And she's like, Wesley. And then they both roll down the hill. It's just that was a little weird. Okay, again, I had to kind of go. This is like in a book. Use your imagination. It's it's you know, that's how I was able to excuse that away because it was a little too goofy for me. And I, I mean, there's always that suspension of disbelief, but I feel like that pushed it a little bit. Also, why did he have to be so petty about it? Like he just found Buttercup after five years. Like, shouldn't their reunion be like, I love you. I missed you. I'm here to save you. I'm so sorry about everything that's transpired. Let's get out of here. Instead, it's like, let me just take some time to really rub in how upset I am. Eventually, Prince Humperdinck is like, we've got to find Buttercup and goes on this. At the time, I viewed him like, wow, he's a capable tracker. But then you come to find out he hired Vinzini. It was very much like a, a whole play to kind of show my my betrothed has been taken. But he wanted her to be killed. And they eventually catch up with Wesley and Buttercup. She is taken back by Prince Humperdinck and she's like, you can't hurt him. Spoiler alert, Prince Humperdinck throws him in something called the pit of despair and he's like tortured by the six-fingered man and a very pale and looks like may have leprosy minion in the pit of despair. Also, that machine that that was used was like a water-powered suction machine. Very weird. Yeah, but I'm just gonna let that slide too. Buttercup is like, I don't love you, Prince Humperdinck. I want to marry Wesley. I don't want to go through with this wedding. And Prince Humperdinck's like, well, I'll send a letter to the four corners of the earth. And if he replies, then you know what? We'll call off the wedding and you can be with him. You know, Prince Humperdinck just lying to Buttercup because Humperdinck knows that Wesley's in the pit of despair being water suctioned to death. So Prince Humperdinck is like mad now. Like, oh, Buttercup's mine. So he goes down to the pit of despair and turns the water suction machine onto 50, which is the highest it will go. And I think he gets suctioned to death. But along this whole journey, there's been a rapport built with Bezik and Ingo Montoya, and they go to rescue Wesley. Wesley's essentially dead. So then they go to a miracle man who was played by Billy Crystal, but he's under so much makeup you would only know because of his voice. And then they make these like weird little pills to give him that will bring him back to life. That whole section of the movie was probably my favorite because it's very much Jim Carrey, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective when he's hit with the darts and he loses feeling all in his body, except it's the other way around. And Wesley's slowly gaining feeling in the rest of his body so he can't walk or move. I enjoyed that very much. Essentially, in the rest of the movie, Ingo Montoya meets the six fingered man and defeats him and also picks up quite a bit of damage to himself. But all seems well that ends well with Ingo Montoya. And I kind of felt like it was a little anticlimactic when he did kill the six fingered man. But I'm just glad that he was able to accomplish his dreams. But it was interesting at the end. He's like, I don't know what to do with myself now. It's like, oh, I got my revenge and now I feel like I have no purpose. I just thought that was a very interesting philosophical question that didn't really get more discussed. And I would have liked that because I, I love that kind of what is my purpose in life and, and you know, like existential crisis. 
We love that, don't we? We just love that. But also during this time, Humperdinck is trying to expedite the wedding. And I will say the priest in this who married them, hysterical delivery, unexpected. That was a wonderful use of comedic timing. So I appreciated the whole marriage scene, but it was just very loosey-goosey because, you know, Wesley, Fezzik, Ingo Montoya, they get into the castle. Ingo Montoya defeats the six-fingered man. Fezzik is pretty much just playing that huge support role, finding the getaway car for horses. And uh, somehow, even though his muscles and limbs don't work, Wesley's able to get to Buttercup's bedroom and, you know, Buttercup's planning to kill herself, which is pretty dark you know, for what feels like kind of a kid's movie. But he's there, she's excited, and then Humperdinck comes up, and then he just essentially, he meaning Wesley, uses words to to render Humperdinck to wave a white flag and be like, oh, I guess you do win this battle. It was a little bit weird. It was just a little bit weird for how Humperdinck kind of handled things, and then he just gave up with Wesley using words, not swords to deal with the situation. So they tie Humperdinck up and then they all escape and everybody lives happily ever after, I'm pretty sure. And so I I think, I don't know, the whole movie is just a ride. I I didn't love it, but I'm not mad that I watched it. So I, I don't know. I'm not I'm not mad that I watch this movie. Thank you all for making me watch this. I was for sure like maybe I have seen this when it first started and then it became very clear to me like, oh, no, you just saw I love the 80s. So what am I going to give this movie? I'm going to give this movie a 6.5 out of 10 inconceivables. It was all right. I I didn't hate it. I will say my favorite part of this movie is at the end when Columbo, I know it's grandpa, but I just want to call him Columbo, looks to his grandson to say goodbye. And his grandson is like, hey, grandpa, will you come over more and, and read the story again to me? And Columbo goes, as you wish, my heart grew 10 times it's normal size because I was like, he said, as you wish, which was pretty much just saying I love you to his grandson. And I really appreciated that they brought that full circle. And I was like, ah, oh, damn movie. You made my heart feel all warm. So there you have it. I've seen The Princess Bride. What other iconic movies have I not seen that you think I should watch? Let me know. Come over to my Twitch stream at Katie Peters Plays. Also, if you don't agree with my review of this movie, come yell at me on my Twitch stream or tweet at me at PlayKatiePlay on Twitter and let me know what other movies I should watch, okay? And we also enter into a new segment of our podcast where I'm going to read some of our listeners' comments on the movies. I have a channel in Discord, my own Discord. If you search it, it's just Katie Peters Plays. There's a Katie Hasn't Seen That channel. And a lot of you share your thoughts on the movie that I just watched. And now I'm going to be reading some of your comments at the end of each of the new episodes on the prior movie. Also, I'm going to be pulling from YouTube comments as well as Twitter comments. But today I'm pulling from Discord and a wonderful person by the name of Faulty Jawa and some of their thoughts on Con Air. Faulty Jawa said, what you can say about the cast, John Malkovich was the perfect level of creepy, menacing, and intimidating while still keeping his usual level of overacting intact. Nearly everyone in the film created a dynamic that seemed so random, but somehow made it work beautifully. It's not a masterpiece by any stretch, but for me, it's somewhere between so bad it's good and this is legitimately fantastic. Every time I get to the end of it, I always feel that same feeling of, wow, I forgot just how much was in this movie. Alti, thank you for listening to the podcast and thank you for sharing your thoughts on Con Air. 
So if y'all have any thoughts on The Princess Bride you'd like for me to share in the next episode of Katie Hasn't Seen That, make sure to comment on YouTube, tweet at me, or post in the awesome discussions that we have in Discord. Thank you all for listening. I love you. I appreciate that you take time out of your busy lives to join me on my movie journey. And I'm looking forward to the next episode. Take care, everyone. If you want to hang out with me more, or if you just want to yell at me for my thoughts on a specific movie, I stream over on Twitch at www.twitch.tv slash katiepetersplays. Also, feel free to follow and chat with me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Instagram at katiepetersplays. Music written and performed by Mark Can Do It. Katie Hasn't Seen That is a part of the Geek Generation Network. Until next time, keep your popcorn warm for me. 